The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about using influencers to grow your business. Joining us is David Morneau, who is the co-founder of the InBeat Agency, which is a micro-influencer agency that helps you discover thousands of micro-influencers across TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube to build awareness, drive sales, and create content. And today, David and I are going to discuss growing D2C brands through micro-influencers. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with David Morneau, the co-founder of the InBeat Agency. David, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Excited to have you on the show and excited to talk a little bit about some of the changes in how we think about influencers. We've gone from what we'll call the macro influencers, the Kim Kardashians of the world, talking about your products and services for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, to now most, at least direct consumer brands are starting to focus on you and me, the micro influencers. So talk to me a little bit about micro-influencers. What are they and why are they so popular with D2C brands? So essentially, uh, let's divide that question down into multiple pieces. Start this off with a disclaimer. Macro-influencers still have their place in the influencer marketing world, but why are people interested in micro-influencer? That's the question that we're going to unpack. So essentially, micro-influencers for us internally inside the agency are described as follow. Micro-influencers on Instagram or anywhere with between 10,000 and 25,000 followers. On TikTok, we bump that up to 100,000 to 250,000 followers. And on YouTube, we do under 100,000 subscribers. That's roughly the ballpark estimate of how we categorize this. By no means is it an exact measure, but essentially that's what we use to kind of guide our discovery process. Along those lines, we uh, what our differentiate micro-influencer is, first of all, their prices are much lower. So it allows you to get a lot of content for cheaper, which allows you to kind of power different parts of your business. And second, you don't deal with agents directly, which makes the whole negotiation process that much easier. What I mean by that is essentially when you look kind of at a bigger influencers, you end up going into these negotiation projects, who owns the rights, how long, how is it going to work? If we spend $10,000 in paid media, how much do we pay back to the influencer if we use their content and so forth? You don't get all of that when you deal with micro-influencers. So that's kind of like the high-level overview of what we consider micro-influencers. 
Okay, so a lot to unpack there. Micro-influencers are, depending on the platform, different size. What's interesting to me is you said TikTok micro-influencers are 100,000 followers, but LinkedIn, it's 10,000 followers. YouTube, YouTube is below 100,000. TikTok is 100 to 250,000 and Instagram is 10 to 25,000. So what's a micro-influencer on LinkedIn or, or is that not a platform that you generally rely on? We don't work on LinkedIn at all. There's definitely a market there. I would probably categorize LinkedIn, not in terms of, well, even Instagram and TikTok, you wouldn't categorize like that, but I would categorize it more in terms of the engagement that they get on their publications. And that would be my benchmark. Okay. So the different sizes of influence for different platforms. And one of the things that you highlighted was you're targeting these specific types of influencers because you can get a fair amount of content but you don't necessarily have to work with a third party to negotiate with them. So does that mean that micro-influencers are generally producing this content as a side hustle? Are they full-time working on their content? You know, what's the lifestyle like for a micro-influencer? You're spot on with these influencers. That's not their job. That's not the way they earn money. Potentially, they have other side hustles and so forth. But it, Overall, they're usually running a job. This is kind of a part-time gig. They grew their follower through either a passion project or by pursuing actively the number of followers that they have by posting content, engaging with people consistently. But we aren't looking at people that operate this as a business and make a full-time income out of it. We're kind of before that threshold where people are making, say, $1,000 a month, maybe a couple thousand dollars a month, but they're not earning a full-time living from it. All right, so the side hustle market before people get an agency to help them manage and scale their business, you're able to come in and build relationships with them. You would assume that somebody that's a macro influencer who has lots of following would be more of a professional content creator. Talk to me about the results comparing micro influencers to the macros. So that's the whole game of micro-influencer, right? It's about finding the diamond in the rough. And when we work with micro-influencers and we onboard a brand, we look at it from a scalable approach, meaning that we'll work with a lot of influencers. And out of these influencers, some of them will create bad content. That's just how it is. But you know, you're going to get amazing pieces of content. One of the facilitators for that is all of the kind of content on YouTube, educational content and so forth on how to create good social media content. People are up to par with that. And you've got micro-influencers that are absolutely creating amazing content, especially when you go into the micro-niches. If you go out of lifestyle and fashion, which are like what people typically associate to influencers, and you go down to gardening or stickers or whatnot, right? You get super great creators in these micro-niches that will create amazing content on your behalf. So the bigger influencer will typically create better content because, you know, it's their business. They're doing full time. They potentially have a team helping them. But you get micro influencers that are absolutely amazing content creators. Now, you focus specifically on helping D to C brands use micro influencers. I understand that you're able to sort of tap into the niches. The riches are in the niches is the cliche saying. Why do micro-influencers work so well for D2C brands as opposed to you know brands that have some sort of middle layer, SaaS businesses, the, the non-direct-to-consumer products? What's cool about direct-to-consumer brands, in most cases, it's very easy to display the unique selling proposition of a product, whereas it's much harder with a mobile application. For instance, we work with mobile companies, but I can tell you from experience that it's just much harder to position the product create content around it that resonates with the end user. 
it's just easier to understand what a product is about and it's much harder to understand what a software piece is about so why do they work really well for direct-to-consumer brands is just that you end up with all of these influencers receiving your product creating content around it and that's essentially it there's something about the fidelity of social media. And so when you're talking about micro influencers, they are showing a product. This is what it looks like. This is how it feels on my skin. This is how it looks on my body. This is where I put it in my home. And so the visual nature, mostly based on video, is really useful for selling physical, tangible products. Now, when you're talking about software, when you talk about applications, it's a little hard to get that point across in the same way. You mentioned that YouTube is a channel where it's like lots of people are doing the how-to type videos. In theory, doesn't that work with micro-influencers as well? Yeah, it does. The YouTube ecosystem is very different than the Instagram and TikTok ecosystem, which is something that can be worth mentioning. Whereas people that will be watching YouTube will typically watch it in a more proactive way than they will um, consume Instagram or TikTok, right? If you're looking at a how-to video and you stumble upon a YouTube video on how to take care of your skin and whatnot, for lack of a better idea there, but you're going to proactively watch that video. Whereas in, you know, when you're scrolling TikTok or Instagram, you're passively the state in which you're going through these social media is very different. So YouTube works really well for more complex products and it works really well for software as well because people are proactively looking up the content rather than passively scrolling through it. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. So you mentioned TikTok being a great channel, and a part of it is because of the passive nature where people are consuming the content. That to me is really interesting. Hey, look, I go on YouTube. I am looking for how do I use Monday.com, and and here's all the rules. And I can watch videos, and you know I'm I'm using a SaaS business as an example, or I just bought a new monitor. Hey, how do I install and optimize this new monitor I bought? And maybe there's a micro technology 
influencer that's like, this is how you use your monitor. And by the way, this is the best place to get the cords and the cord companies hire them. Wonderful. If I am on Facebook, because I'm old, or Instagram, because I'm not that old, or hey, I'm on TikTok because I'm a kid, I'm not actively looking for something. So talk to me about the difference between active and passive content engagement. To your point, right, let's deconstruct the fact that, you know, people on TikTok are young Gen Zers now. We've got tons of moms on TikTok. We work with older people all the time there. It's, it's The platform has changed tremendously in the last 365 days last year. So in terms of getting the engagement of the end user, right, let's say you're creating your content for a direct-to-consumer brand. Let's say skincare, right? Well, you know, you can build the content around the fact that like, okay, let's look at what's trending on TikTok. What's interesting about TikTok is there's a lot of trends and these trends are easy to dissect. Do you spend any time on TikTok? No. (laughs) I have children. I don't spend any time anywhere these days, but most of the time when I'm consuming social media, it's LinkedIn for work or it's probably Instagram personally. Okay. So there's a lot of trends on TikTok, right? Everything kind of starts as a trend, picks up. People create content around that trend and that's kind of how it picks up. And the trend is a very central part of kind of the social media on TikTok. So you can use these trends in creating your content for your brand, right? So like I said, TikTok made me buy is a huge trend where you got these products that are just social media centric, right? They've got a very nice, unique selling proposition and they just ride that TikTok made me buy trend. And then people just make these videos around it. And that's something that people react really well to. When you create content around something that's on trend, that's how you can captivate people into paying attention to your product. I'm going to date myself. Uh, the, the one time I downloaded TikTok to see what it was about, there was a trend uh, that I noticed, which was people jumping or clapping, and then they change their clothes when they landed or when they clap. And and I'm like, that's great, but I don't nah. really care about watching this for more than 30 seconds. I get it. I'm out. What are some of the other examples of trends that micro-influencers are following on TikTok that's been useful for D2C brands? Oh, you've got so many. I mean, like you've got the same kind of thing, same type of content on YouTube. You've got hauls, right? People trying on different clothing that works really well with fashion brands where people will walk through six different outfits and give them a specific context to where they could wear that outfit. Another one is, you know, those daycare routines, uh, you know, nighttime routines and so forth. Those are amazing trends that to ride on TikTok. Nighttime routines as in like, I brush my teeth yeah. and then I wash my face. I put this facial cream. I do my hair like this. I'm not in the target market for that. No, no. some people are. <laughs> the kids go to sleep. I watch some television. I pass out on the couch and my wife tells me to go upstairs and go to bed. No face cream? I have some Kiehl's products, but nothing that I'm really going to go on the record about. <laughs> All right. So back to direct and consumer influencers. Talk to me about the metrics, the, the KPIs that people look like. I'm going to work with this many influencers. They're going to post this much content. How do I measure impression levels, engagement, and eventually ROI? Yeah. So you're going to measure... The best way to do it is kind of get a benchmark to like, okay, what is the CPM we're going after on TikTok? It's just the views, right? So what are you willing to pay in terms of 4,000 views, right? And then you can look at the average views of a TikToker for its last 10 videos, remove any viral videos from there because sometimes they just have an outlier that absolutely crushed it. And that's not going to be an identifier of like, okay, are we going to be able to reach those numbers and make that the baseline of like, okay, we're willing to work with these influencers for this amount. Additionally, you can think of these as content creators that are going to participate into your content creation framework where you're going to be reusing that content in your paid advertising. 
So that's something to think about as well when you're thinking about ROI in terms of the content, right? A lot of the content we create will run against Facebook ads or TikTok ads and see the results for each individual content creator. So that's really one of the big return on investments that we see our clients getting, boosting that content through whitelisting. And whitelisting is, by the way, if you aren't aware, is essentially the act of boosting an influencer's post so that it's showed as a sponsored post, but through the influencer and not through the advertiser's page, if that makes sense. What I'm hearing from you is gauging ROI is challenging in the sense of you're basically looking at this as an awareness channel. I know the number of impressions. There is no click. So I'm looking at overall business lift over a period of time when the campaigns are running, which makes figuring out whether influencer marketing is working. And not to say that it doesn't, but that's kind of similar to podcasting with the way that most people do podcast advertising. It's a little different than how we do it here. But most people are like, hey, I was on this podcast for a month or two. I'm going to look at the overall business performance during those months, see if my channel worked. And it's a longer campaign. You're not measuring ROI in real time. You're looking at the end of the campaign to look for an overall lift. Unfortunately, that's right. And that's kind of like the channel, like a lot of marketing. You're not going to get a ROAS calculator in there like you would have on Facebook, AdWords or whatnot. But you can give your influencers promo codes to incentivize people to go and purchase the good. But then, you know, if you're on TikTok, that can kill your engagement. So you've got to be careful about these things. Anyway, there's multiple things to take into consideration. The best way to evaluate an influencer campaign is across the board and look at like, okay, what is the campaign push as you discussed earlier in terms of, but you're not going to get direct attribution it's hard to just get the direct attribution, especially on Instagram where, you know, the influencer has to add a link to their bio because they can't add a link to the post. So you need to give a promo code. The influencer has to go to the website, punch in that promo code. There's definitely some drop off in there. Yeah. You're capturing about 10% of the actual conversions when you're using that promo code, if you're lucky. Yep. And that makes it really hard for the actual influencer to recognize the value that they're creating. All right. Lots more to talk about when it comes to influencers and growing your business through micro-influencers specifically. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to David Morneau, co-founder of the InBeat Agency, for joining us in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. David and I are going to talk about content crowdsourcing that fuels your social growth. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about David, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you could visit his company's website, which is inbeat.agency. That's I-N-B-E-A-T dot agency. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter, or you can even send us your topic suggestion or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.
Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.